0: Hello everyone, this is David Douthat, and this is Molly Douthat, and welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul.
1: Today we are covering math and people smart for the lectionary selections for the third Sunday in Easter Year C. Saul becomes Paul in the first reading from Acts, and in the second reading from Revelation, the lamb that was slain is given glory and honor. The psalmist sings praises having come through hardship, and Jesus has some suggestions about the best place to fish in John's Gospel. Let's go fish for illustrations and special effects.
0: This podcast is based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, centered on the weekly readings for the Revised Common Lectionary, we develop illustrations and special effects using various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. Over the course of four weeks, we will cover Word Smart, Eye Smart, Math Smart, Body Smart, Music Smart, Nature Smart, People Smart, and Self Smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage, morethanhearing.org.
1: Join us as we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Then, we encourage you to try it for yourself. Anytime time and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started.
0: Well, hello, everybody. We're glad to have you with us today. We welcome our first-time listeners especially and hope that you enjoy the show and learn some things and that you'll uh, try out some of what we have or maybe try some things that come to you uh, because you listen to us. And feel free to let us know about anything that you try and how it turns out. And of course, welcome to all our regular listeners. We're glad to have you along for the ride as well, and we want to hear from you too. So be sure to let us know what you're picking up from all our time together here. And uh, and let's see what's going to happen this week. We are looking at people smart and math smart for this week, which is Easter three. So let's, let's take a quick look at those two intelligences. Uh, if you want to know more about them and about the other six intelligences, be sure to check out our website, morethanhearing.org, and uh, look for the resources and for the page on Dr. Gardner's theory. Uh, I'm doing people smart today, and so that is interpersonal intelligence. This has to do with both recognizing and activating other people's motivations and uh, relationships. People smart people process information through interactions with others generally in conversation. And that's great around the church, especially in committee meetings or in a Bible study. Or in
1: the kitchen or the parking lot. uh, Yes, yes,
0: exactly. (laughs) Uh, The back of the sanctuary when uh, the service is over, or what have you. Uh, But in the worship time proper, we don't often give people much time or opportunity for that sort of discussion. So uh, there's no real reason why we can't, though, and one of the ways that I think that we do that, if you do a children's sermon, mm-hmm. that often involves inviting the kids to come up and then asking them questions and listening to their answers. So that's a very people-smart way of interacting. So take a cue from that, maybe, and make opportunity in the sermon, plan for time in the sermon or in the service for people to ask and answer questions, uh, either with you directly or with one another. And that's a way that they can sort out what it is that you're talking about in your sermon today.
1: I'm looking at math smart, and math smart people are those who reason mathematically. Uh, They can discover abstract patterns, classify and organize. They enjoy mathematical computations, and they think logically. So this person is someone who needs to see the logic and the organization in what is being learned. So in worship, they would need to know the why much more than the how we do things the way we do. So from time to time, stating the reason for a particular part of worship would be beneficial. Uh, point out the flow of the service, the logical progression of the parts in worship, and the context for scripture passages. This addresses the need to recognize patterns and the need for organization in a logical person's uh, capacity and uh, uh, intelligence. So, just make it plain. Demystify it from time to time.
0: There you go. The Gospel lesson for year C, Easter 3, is John 21, verses 1 through 19. There is a lot here. Uh, it is, first of all, the uh, story of Jesus' third appearance, at least the third one that John records, mm-hmm. uh, his third post-resurrection appearance. And so this is where Simon decides, I've had enough of this. I need to get out for a while. And he says, I'm going fishing. And a bunch of the other guys say, we'll go with you. And off they go. They grab a cooler and out they head. <laughs> and uh, they get out to Galilee and they're out on the Sea of Galilee. They work all night, get nothing. And then this guy shows up on the beach and says, you have any fish? No. Well, try casting your net on the right side of the boat. And then for whatever reason, they do so, and they get so many fish, 153 to be exact, Mm
1: -hmm. large
0: fish. The disciple says, hey, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter dives into the water after he throws on his clothes and... um, Everybody else drags the boat in with the fish in the nets and then turns out to be Jesus. And, uh, he's, he's got breakfast going. He says, bring some of that fish and he cooks some more fish. So there he is. Then we have the second part of the story, which is basically the redemption of Simon Peter, uh, where Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? And Simon says, yes, you know, you're my bro. There it is. It is a very meaty piece. Uh, Fish meaty, I
1: guess. (laughs) (laughs) Very fishy piece.
0: Lots of stuff going on here. So let's take a look at People Smart and see what we can do here. I was looking at the second half with Simon Peter verses 15 to 19, and uh, I got to thinking about dog shaming videos. (laughs) You know oh. those those things where a dog has done something terrible and and uh, their human parent catches them up and, and records their reaction,
1: or puts a sign, or, around, or their puts neck. A sign yeah. around
0: their neck, saying what they've done. But they the one uh. the ones where they're they're talking to the dog did you do this? Did you do this? And the dog's looking all.
1: Why are you asking the question? Isn't <laughs> it obvious? if
0: there are a couple of dogs, maybe, you know. And oh, the, yeah, the that one, the three between, poodles there were at the top, yeah. and,
1: and they, who did this? And two poodles look at the third who slinks through the doorway and out yeah. of frame. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's some of that. Uh, also, kid shaming videos, same sort of thing, mm-hmm. only with small children um there there's kind of that flavor here, you know, except I mean it's not Jesus isn't shaming Peter he's but
1: but he's giving him a chance to say, what'd you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that. Uh, I, so that's one thing that you could talk about. Uh, you could if for special effect you could show some of those pictures and videos. Um, something there's something about asking a person a question more than once though. Uh, particularly three times, I think, mm-hmm. that, that helps them to be more honest in their answers. Mm. And kind of chips um, away at defenses
1: and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It's know, like it's, a parfait, it's got layers. <laughs>
0: Everybody loves parfait. <laughs> so, uh, the first head of staff that I worked with uh, after being ordained was very good at doing this. He, if he knew somebody was going through some stuff, especially, he'd say, How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. I really I'm doing all right. Okay. But how are you doing? No, no, really. It's 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 fine. I'm okay. Okay. But how are you doing? And then they just crack. Mm. And then they could be honest. It was about the it. persistence. The persistence yeah. and yeah. I think you know what it what it reflects is I really Want to know? Right. It's, this isn't just the cultural how you're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So um, I, there's some of that going on here too, uh, and, and you get the same sort of thing I think in in some interrogation techniques of going over the material over and over and over again with a suspect to see
1: if the answer is consistent. If, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So hmm. um, which is a little different. And, and I have a link for some interrogation techniques that so doesn't actually name that one, mm-hmm. but it does talk about the process, one of the processes that they use in uh, trying to break down a, a suspect uh, to get a confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of dark because the, there's, <laughs> there's a recognition of some of the, the flaws in the process, like an assumption of guilt going into the process and the um,
1: preconceived notions of guilt and innocence well
0: there's that but also the psychological manipulation that oh, they use
1: okay yeah and
0: that it yeah. is they know with that, the
1: goal in mind of yeah. getting a confession yeah. whether it's true or not
0: yeah I mean they they intend for it to be true and they assume mm-hmm. that it will be true but mm-hmm. it isn't always true mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the manipulation that happens, uh, can produce a false a false confession, confession just to get them off my back yeah right? because yeah. that's what's what it's designed to do is right. to create a situation where you feel trapped and the only way out is to, is confess. to give them what they want right yeah so again jesus is not doing that
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it it's an interesting contrast maybe
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I got uh, one or two more things here. Uh, Many people attest to fishing as a way to get away from stress and the misery of life. Mm -hmm. And for Simon, this was what he knew best, most likely. Um, So, you know, think about maybe what you would pick in a time like that? Would you would it be fishing or some other hobby, maybe gardening or something like that? I don't know. But uh, in, invite your folks to discuss that question. Oh, what what would be like your that. go-to to get away from it all? Mm-hmm. Uh, what would be your activity, if not fishing?
1: Why would Peter decide that he needs to get away from it all?
0: That That's a good question, too. Hmm. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that question, so I don't have an answer. But That would be a good question.
1: It would. Yeah. Uh,
0: The last thing would be a special effect, and that would be to do this as a reader's theater. Mm -hmm. And we have an example of how you might do that. Got a script for you here in the worksheet at morethanhearing.org. And the one thing that you would want to watch is the costuming since Peter ends up naked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> probably don't want to do that uh, just skip the costuming altogether and just yeah. go with whatever you're wearing yeah just just the uh, mind with things <laughs> right uh, not too much movement maybe in this one just the reading <laughs> so anyway there you go that's what i've got for people smart so how's it look in math smart
1: well, as I read this, trying to put on the math smart eyeballs, my main takeaway from this passage, as a person who really likes logic, is this is all illogical. Everything mm. about this is illogical. Uh, why? Why? Why do? You, why fish off the other side of the boat? Why is the other side of the boat suddenly going to give you 153 fish? And why 153 fish? Mm. And why is Peter leaping into the water? after getting dressed why is he even leaping into the water what the heck does he really think he's going to swim back to 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 the shore faster than catching a breeze and surfing it in with the boat uh and, and the sequence of three questions what on earth what's all, what's all about that well then i got to thinking hey a sequence of questions hmm maybe this is where we get the math smart person connected to this passage i really have No answers for the uh, Peter leaping into the water naked and the fishing uh, off the other side of the boat. You might have – that might be more of a nature-smart way of exploring that. Why one side of the boat versus the other side of the boat? Is there something about the water and the fish and where they are in the water? Um, Nature-smart people might be able to address that better. Yeah, right. a miracle. Uh, Peter leaping into the water. uh, There might be some cultural things with that. Um, Maybe he just (laughs) – I don't know. Maybe that's the way he figured he'd get his clothes back to shore. (laughs) (laughs) Because otherwise he'd be leaving them in the boat. They're in the boat. Well, yeah, but they're still there. And so when he swims to shore and gets out of water, he's naked. So, you know, maybe he felt like he needed to. Anyway, whatever. So it's the sequence of three questions that Hmm. I'm going to land on for math smart people. So Jesus, one of the commentaries I read said that Jesus appears in this passage with a purpose. And he, he has two, two different purposes. One of the purposes is to recommission the disciples to fish for people. And they do, by catching fish. So that kind of recommissions them. Remember when I told you so long ago, follow me, you'll fish for people. And here, you're doing it again. Literally, you're fishing and you're, you're catching a lot of fish. But remember, I, I told you that? Okay, let's get on to that again. So he's recommissioning the 12. He's also recommissioning Peter with this series of three questions. Uh, so the this, this sequence of three questions is a bit like hitting the delete key on your keyboard. So you've taken away some previous work and you've replaced it with something else that will go forward into the future. So to demonstrate that, if you know anybody who knows coding, See if you can arrange this sequence of questions in uh, a coding language like C language, and I have a link to a very basic way of doing C language, so you can take a look at that and then display it while you're talking about it. So the way I would do it if I were were going to code this is I would start with Peter, go back a couple uh, chapters, start with Peter in the courtyard being asked if he knows Jesus three times and denying him three times, and then a cock crows. Then Peter and Jesus are having breakfast and Jesus asks him if he loves him three times and Peter affirms it three times, then have the sunrise. So just do it in in a sequence like that Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. show the the flow of it. And you can talk about it in in theological terms of Jesus restoring Peter to his place in the fellowship and commissioning him to be the rock on which he would build his church. But this gives you a logical way of looking at this. I mean, it's a very relational, um, emotive, uh, people-smart um, scene here, mm-hmm. Yeah. but to connect math-smart people to it, look at it in terms of a, a coding sequence, and then they could see it the same way, Okay. in their way.
0: Cool. Okay, let's go on.
1: The second reading for Year C, Easter 3, is from the Book of Revelation. Chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. We are in the section of the book where the person who, John uh, purportedly, is seeing things. John the Revelator. Yes, he's seeing things. He's been uh, hearing things, seeing things, and we get to this point of chapter 5 where he hears the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and living creatures and elders, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And they are singing with a full voice that part from Handel's Messiah. (laughs) Uh, Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered. I think Handel
0: wrote it for them. Yeah, Yeah,
1: good job. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. So it, we, I, th- I think it's pretty obvious why the lectionary committee selected this particular passage because it sort of takes the whole crucifixion, uh, resurrection of Jesus and puts it in a cosmic setting. It's it's really powerful and, and very very big. So looking at it from math smart, uh, one one of the obvious ones is the the mention of numbers, myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And three years ago when we did this passage, we looked at. What that number might look like, so you can go back and look at our stuff from three years ago and our worksheet and see uh, how we calculated that. Um, I'm looking at verse 12 for uh, a, a logic math smart application for the, the passage this year, uh, because the one who receives wealth and all of trap and all of its trappings is worthy of receiving all of that wealth and its trappings, because that one was slaughtered. Now, there's a twist of logic, if ever there was one. Uh, Bill Loder, one of my favorite go-to guys for New Testament commentaries, says this, The scenes which follow show all these royal dignitaries and heavenly courtiers celebrating this powerless figure who has now been given all power. This is a subversion within the court discourse, almost a parody of power. Hmm. It is topsy-turvy logic for certain. Um if you would notice, though, that in all of this power that has been given, the Lamb has received seven attributes. So let's go back and take a look at those again. We have power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Can't not do that. I
1: huh? <laughs> a little like Oprah when I do the blessing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so You'll get a blessing. You'll get a blessing. So, it, there are seven things, seven attributes, and the number seven is significant in Jewish thought. It's considered perfect because God rested on the seventh day after all of creation and calling it good. So, seven is perfect. So, Complete. seven attributes. Complete. Yes. Yes. So there's there's one illustration that you can use for the for, for more number smart things, um, and also a commentary by Israel Kamuzandu over at Working Preacher, who suggests that we are being offered a choice in these verses between worshiping the wealth of the world, what is given to the lamb, or worshiping the slaughtered lamb. It's kind of a red pill, blue pill choice regarding reality. Red pill, blue pill being what Neo was offered by Morpheus as to whether or not he would stay in the Matrix and live out his life as part of the the programming or take the red pill and step outside of it. Uh, So as a special effect, if you choose to go with that particular illustration, have some red and blue jelly beans on hand. (laughs) (laughs) Let people choose and honor their choice. Uh, also, a way of uh, doing a special effect for this, this is kind of an iSmart special effect, but you could put numbers in it if you would like to. Uh, get this, get the seven attributes or the wealth of the world and a uh, slaughtered lamb and put them in our tried and true balance. And of course, mm. um, weight it so that the slaughtered lamb weighs more and is worthy of more to be given those things. Or do the catapult thing, where you put the seven attributes on one end, drop the lamb on and yeah. pew, there go the attributes. So, uh, there's some physics involved with that. So there's some math smart in there as well.
0: Okay, cool.
1: What have you got for people smart?
0: For people smart, I was looking at the exhilaration of a powerful choral concert, because we have uh, all the myriads of of uh, living creatures and angels and elders. Singing with full voice here. And uh, not everybody will know that joy of hearing a powerful choral concert. So you may have to talk them through it. But uh, hearing a choir or chorus do a rousing number, you know, maybe something patriotic or spiritual or just something that's exquisitely done can just really move your spirit and even move a whole crowd.
1: Did you see that Mm -hmm. video that someone posted on Happy to be a Presbyterian at Facebook? A couple different churches have posted that they've done the Hallelujah Chorus at the end of their Mm -hmm. worship service. But the first one I saw was people were invited up to sing. But the second one I saw was the choir was doing it. And this little four-year-old girl who's obviously been taking ballet lessons danced in the aisle as they were doing it. Oh, cool. It was really neat.
0: Neat. Well, we'll see if we can get a link for that video maybe to put in the show notes. But yeah, I, I actually included as a special effect, uh, present the Hallelujah Chorus, because I think I heard you playing it, probably. as. <laughs> yeah, Hey, that would work. Uh, so either do it live with uh, inviting people just to do it if they know it, or you know you'd need the music, of course, uh, or have your choir, or do a show a clip or what have you. Um, it's people smart for the interactions that are going on and the the uh, collective experience of it. Music smart, of course, obviously there too. Um, a similar illustration would be the scene in The Sound of Music when the von Trapp family singers are performing at the Austrian music contest and Georg begins singing Edelweiss mm. and he gets all choked up and uh, it moves the crowd and makes the Nazis grind their teeth. But <laughs> when when he's singing it and then as he gets verklempt and... and uh,
1: the family takes over. And the
0: family takes over, and then the whole crowd starts to sing, and so you know that kind of experience around the music of of being connected to something powerful. Then, uh, lastly, uh, some videos that I've got a link for to a a group called Choir exclamation point. It's either Choir exclamation point or Choir 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 exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point. <laughs> Which is an ongoing Canadian pop-up choral experiment. It's Hmm. a bunch of people who just like to sing, and they started singing for somebody's wedding or funeral or something. I forget what. And and they liked doing it so much that they got together at a bar regularly, Hmm. week by week, um, and more people started coming. And now they do pop-ups where they go to events and say, if you want to sing this, come show up and they'll take a couple hours rehearsing and then they do a take and record it. Hmm. So it's it's pretty neat and um, they've done a lot of different pop music uh, pop songs. Um, uh,
1: there was a pop-up choir at our last presbytery meeting right yes and uh, one of the members of your church decided to do that because she thought oh it's going to be a huge number of people when we walked into the room there were six yeah <laughs> and she was terrified she said i i she i just she said i was sweat was just running off yeah. <laughs> of me and by the time we finally had the full number of people it had grown to about a dozen yeah and uh she she stood she said i'm standing really close to you so you can sing in my ear which was okay except we did all right in rehearsal and then when it came time to actually uh, offer the song in worship, I missed the note. Uh, well, so anyway.
0: It was fine. I, yeah. I recorded it, actually. So. Oh, did you? Yeah, I don't know if you, if I ever showed you that. No, you didn't. So anyway, you could follow suit with that. You can either show some of those clips or just do it yourself. Teach the congregation a, a simple but meaningful song Uh, right there in the service that Mm -hmm. everybody can can sing. Taizé chants are really good. Yeah, and uh, a lot of John Bell's stuff from Iona, right? So, um, again, (laughs) people smart interactions with lots and lots of music.
1: Cool. Let's go on.
0: The Psalm for Year C Easter 3 is Psalm 30. It has a subtitle as a song at the dedication of the temple. Of David that comes from the NRSV, which is interesting because it doesn't have anything to do with the temple or David directly. <laughs> uh, it's basically a psalm wherein the uh, the speaker thanks God for God's rescue and uh, pulling them up from Sheol, call, uh, calling on God's faithful ones to sing praises because even though God gets angry sometimes, it's just for a little bit. Um, and that weeping is transformed into joy, and that kind of is the continuing theme, that God rescued me, and I kind of had to convince God a little bit, you know? (laughs) It's like, okay, if I die, who's going to praise you here? Is the dust in my grave going to? No, I will. Save me. And God did. For People Smart Illustration, have you ever had to ask somebody for help or even for protection? And uh, maybe having to ask someone from whom it was not immediately clear that they would be willing to help you.
1: Hmm. Like an older sibling.
0: Perhaps, yes. Yeah, that would be a very good example, actually. Um, that's kind of what's going on here, which is interesting. you know. And you get that in the Psalms, that there's sometimes this sense that I just didn't really know if God was actually going to come through on this hmm. but God did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. And that's definitely in here, you know, with that that part I had to convince God. I had to argue it, you know, and maybe maybe the person did or didn't have to, but the person did it anyway, you know, laying out the case. But anyway, um uh you might consider, you know, parents, principals or police. Something about the letter P there, I don't know. <laughs> uh but those 3 you know they have a dual role as either helpers or keepers of of law and order mm-hmm. and if you're in the midst of a kerfuffle you might not be sure which side they're right. gonna fall. Which on. hat
1: are they gonna be wearing when they come to you? Exactly.
0: Yeah. Right. So they and that's they
1: help me or they're gonna whoop me. Yeah.
0: It's not entirely <laughs> assured which way they're gonna respond in your time of need. And so hmm. that that seems to be the feeling here in the psalm. I didn't know if God was gonna do it, but you know, God did. Hmm. For a special effect, then, you can invite your folks to share stories with each other about a time when they were in desperate straits and got help from a powerful benefactor. And how would you express your thanks to that benefactor? Would you write a poem about your experience? Or what would you do? This person wrote a psalm, so that would be cool. So that's some conversation that they could have around that question. Um, a, a similar illustration would be kind of I got to think about it. it's kind of a trope of uh, the boy who is who ends up in relationship with a robot. <laughs> and um, I, I thought of three examples of that. Uh, the Iron Giant. Oh yeah,. Right? Um, Will Robinson in Lost uh-huh. in Space. And in the remake of the day the Earth stood still, in two thousand eight.
1: Never saw that one. Yeah, you did. I, I did. We went to see
0: it. Yes, we did. In the we theater. Went to we went it? to see it in the theater. Yeah, oh it's the gosh. one with Keanu Reeves, and um, and Jaden Smith is just a kid in that huh. in that movie. And there's point at and and Keanu Reeves is the alien who comes to judge the earth basically and he's got gort the ai Uh the robot and um there's a point at which uh jaden smith's character falls off a bridge or something and is hanging by his fingernails and gort is standing there and he asks him for help and um, I couldn't find a clip of it because the movie was really pretty terrible, and I think nobody <laughs> cared to put clips up. But <laughs> anyway, um, it's kind of a trope, like I said, where um, uh, you have this robot with pretty great destructive power mm-hmm. who is brought around to compassion by the plea of a boy, or the help, or the help of a boy, like Will in, in Will Robinson's yeah. case in the uh, in the recent reboot. So, um, Hmm. nerdy uh, (laughs) illustration for the week there. That's it.
1: Okay, well, um, looking at this in terms of, uh, again, I'm applying logic. To these passages, because there did not seem to be a whole heck of an awful lot of math in it at first glance. You kind of have to find that as you dig around a bit. But the in verse six, there's the logic of wealth. Uh, I well, you know, while things were were rosy and great, I praised you. Um, so ask people the question: Why does prosperity lead people to believe that they are safe? Mm. And as an example of how that is not necessarily accurate, talk about the stock market crash of 1929, or the more recent crash of two. 2008 Mm -hmm. Uh, apparently the uh, the crashes were of similar magnitude it just they they took they took place in different time frames the the overall effect of the one in 1929 was much more global in 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 uh, reach than the one in 2008 but there were definitely people who lost a heck of an awful lot in both of those um so Ask people what connection is there between evidence of wealth and shelter. Uh, is there is this is this an actual connection or is this something that's flimsy? Um, so there's some logic in that. How do you how do you apply that? Um, I also and found may, maybe
0: the math bit of how much is enough.
1: Right. Yeah. That too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Um, it, well, yeah, that would be actually an interesting special effect. Put some charts up of um, what is put some charts up of what is considered poverty the yeah. poverty level in your community and invite people to see where they land on that. Some mm-hmm. people might be kind of surprised to find out what the poverty level is in your area. Yeah. Other people will know because they may be living there. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. Thank you. Um, there's also, I have to have another link to uh, some advice about how to trust your wealth manager. And <laughs> uh, one of the things uh or a couple of the things about how to trust your wealth manager are very people smart in nature. Uh,
0: I would think so.
1: So, anyways, uh, that, that I just kind of threw that up there because I thought that was interesting. Uh, the other place where I'm looking at it in, in terms of logic is verse 9, the logic of death versus praise. And Jerome Creech, writing over at Working Preacher, said this, For the psalmist, the threat of the abode of the dead is that it will be a place of silence where God is not praised. To praise God and to give thanks has become for the psalmist the vocation of the human being and the sole purpose of creation. Hmm. So, to live is to praise, and to praise is to live. So for a special effect, write that in a mathematical formula and display it prom- prominently. Um, this is essentially this is the symmetric property of equality, and I have a link to that too. So instead of using numbers when you display that that uh, that formula, use live and praise.
0: So you, you maybe start off with variables like a plus b equals. B plus A, mm-hmm. and then maybe put some numbers. One plus two equals two plus one. Mm-hmm. And then live, live plus, praise plus praise
1: equals pra- praise. Or, Wait, no. How does that work? How does that work? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um Actually, it's more of a ratio, I guess, isn't it, where they yeah. both equal one yeah uh, live over praise equals praise, praise over, over live life, yeah. uh, equals one, yeah <laughs> or something
1: yeah, well, anyway,
0: I don't know I think symmetric property still works probably yeah. but.
1: right well well, yeah, because the the for the psalmist, these things are are equal yeah to to live means to praise God, to praise God means to live. And, uh, uh, everything else is just details. Yeah.
0: So, cool.
1: Anyway, there we go.
0: Let's go on.
1: The first reading for year C Easter three is from the book of Acts chapter nine, uh, verses one through six with, uh, Optional verses 7 through 20. Verses 1 through 6 is, well, the whole thing is the story of Saul's conversion to Paul. Uh, The lectionary committee ends it at verse 9, that uh, for three days uh, Saul is without sight and neither ate nor drank uh, in the city of Damascus after he's been confronted by the risen lord it continues on uh, the optional verses continue on with ananias receiving his own vision and uh, going to saul who becomes paul uh, as he goes into various synagogues in the area proclaiming that jesus is the son of god pretty pretty impressive so this okay Bill Loader, again, one of my go-to guys for a New Testament commentary, says that um, people's intensity in resistance to something tends to rise when they fear what they are resisting is perhaps valid. Mm. So there's a logical response to a valid point. So it could be that Saul was 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 listening to the preaching and seeing the testimony of the disciples. He was present at Stephen's stoning, and he heard what Stephen had to say. It could be maybe he was being convinced of this. And so his intensity in resisting it rose because he was becoming convinced of it. Mm. And so in order to maintain the status quo in his own heart and mind, he had to raise his level of resistance. Uh, So what evoked the change, this is going back to Bill Loader, what evoked the change, or perhaps was the straw which broke the camel's back, was the experience he had on the road to Damascus, which was an experience of grace. Uh, Continuing on with Loader, this changed Paul's perspective on Scripture from a fearing defensive fundamentalism to a centered, critical interpretation inspired by Jesus' own stance, Loder says that Saul was prepared to follow its logic to the end. Hmm. So Paul had changed his mind, and now he was on a pathway to see where this change of mind would take him. So there's just kind of some underlying logic in this whole experience that starts Paul on a new journey uh, in, into um, uh, in in well into history, really, um, but verse two also kind of caught me that he went to the high council seeking letters, which makes me think of search warrants or subpoenas. Mm. Uh, he was looking for authority to go take care of of this thing. Arrest um, warrant, I guess. Yeah, arrest yeah. warrants, Right. So if so, for an illustration, if you or anyone you know has had an experience of this, of um, finding yourself reluctantly uh, persuaded. <laughs> to a new argument, um, even though you firmly held the opposing position for a while, um, maybe talk about that. Maybe talk about what the logic was that convinced you. Uh, For me personally, what convinced me to open up my perspective on same-sex marriage was a bumper sticker I saw that said, protect the sanctity of divorce from gays. (laughs) And I thought about that and I thought, yeah, why am I holding so tightly to this when heterosexuals don't honor marriage the way people mm. want them to? Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that started the crack in my understanding of what is marriage? What is this, this covenant between two people? So anyway, that would be my story. Um, uh, or maybe to what have you been a witness? Did you see something? Did it require testimony either in a court of law, a boardroom, a living room, a church? And maybe define what witness is in legal terms, in theological terms, in personal terms, in family systems terms. Hmm. Uh, also, be sure to talk about the fact that Ananias is also a witness, because he has his own experience of Jesus, which then validates Paul's experience. So maybe even ask the question, and this might be a people-smart – there was some self-smart stuff in that too, but this might be a, a definitely a people-smart thing – why do we trust some testimony more than others – and why are we more willing to trust multiple testimonies of people saying the same thing? So,
0: And are we? And, oh, yeah, and yeah, are we? We're, right, we're yeah. not as good at, at that as we used as to we be. As we
1: used to be, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so Okay, so here's some special effects. Do an exercise with your congregation where everyone has seen X, pick something. They all stand up. And then select different variables of that thing. Some things are everyday, ordinary things to begin with and then become progressively more unusual. So, for example, say everyone who remembers where you were when this happened, stand up and then start uh, coming up with more things that are a bit more specific or a bit more unusual. Anyone who ever remembers seeing um, a miracle, Mm. remain standing. And, and then just see how that happens, how that how that witnessing, how that testimony. Um, so, so tailor that list to include ways that people may have witnessed the resurrection, either through their own personal experiences of the risen Lord, or ways that they have seen the way the resurrection has transformed someone else or a situation. Uh, and people may not realize they've been witnesses to Jesus' presence, so encourage them to understand that they have. They have seen Jesus' presence, Jesus' spirit at work, and likely have seen it frequently. So this is kind of a way of of persuading people logically that they have been a witness to the resurrection, even when they might not have thought they were.
0: Cool uh, for people smart. Uh, I'm going to mirror yours because I'm looking at James Loader instead of Bill Loader, <laughs> uh, uh, and we've talked about. Jim Loder uh, a number of times on the podcast before. So um, I, I don't remember where, but several times anyway. And we thought, ta- yeah, yeah. So the transformational logic that he described that um, was a result of his own transforming moment, as it were, um, where he was confronted with his own death and mortality uh, in a traffic accident. And changed his uh, understanding of faith from being mostly cognitive to being existential. Mm-hmm. So uh, his book, his first book and his best known book is The Transforming Moment. And uh, we've got a link to that for you and also an article with a short summary of his work. And then another that is a review of a book about his work Um and so you can take a look at those different things and it, you get a sense for it. But he described the process by which uh, we ca- we have a transforming experience, whether it's a small thing like uh, working a puzzle and you can't figure out what the answer is. And then, oh, it, it means this. And you, you jump outside the box and, and you come to the answer or The developmental stages of uh, our psychology, um, getting through the terrible twos, getting through the Oedipal complex, you know, all that sort of stuff. Those are the same sort of thing. Uh, And the transformation that happens when we have a convictional experience of God. Mm-hmm. which is what happens to paul mm-hmm. and in fact this story is one of the archetypical stories from scripture of that kind of transformation so uh have a look at all of that um for paul the con- or for saul rather uh, the conflict is in his religious context that this upstart sect of jesus is growing mm-hmm. and why would that be growing and like you said maybe he's starting to be convinced, but he's at least conflicted that -hmm. that they're doing so well when Mm -hmm. clearly it's wrong. So what's going on (laughs) with that? And then the the deepening of the conflict when he's confronted with the reality of the risen Jesus personally, boom, hey, it's me, Jesus, whom you're persecuting, stop it. So he has to make sense of all of that, and it changes everything about uh, his understanding of the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, mirroring what you were saying, uh, I I went on to an illustration of American culture versus LGBTQ, Mm -hmm. uh, and it looks something like that, that there was almost universal condemnation
1: even 30 years ago,
0: breathing threats and murder Mm -hmm. against non-cisgendered, non-binary, non-heterosexuality. And somehow, through the greater exposure, perhaps, to actual uh, LGBTQ people who turned out not to be evil, um, a great switch has happened to accept them as they are. It's not quite universal, of course, yet, but uh, it's a remarkable shift in a relatively yeah. short period of time. Yeah. So, and um, through witness. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, witness and testimony. Through witness and testimony. So... Um, so there it is, uh, transformation as demonstrated in uh, in Scripture, in our lives, and uh, in culture. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our podcast for today. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org, or facebook.com slash morethanhearing, or tweet us at morethanhearing, or email us at connect At morethanhearing.org. If you tried any of these suggestions or maybe got an idea you like better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We'd love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship.
1: Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website. They go hand in glove with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes, Google Play, Android, or good old RSS. Or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org feed podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store. And, of course, you can share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. Is not in
0: service at this time. This is a Whippet Good production. So, alright. Um now what do we do? Alright, yeah. So <laughs> You start. I start <laughs>